Over 200,000 of the homeless people in the United States of America are women and girls. The most needed and understocked item in homeless shelters, feminine hygiene products. Joy Road Media is proud to tell you about the Clean Love Project. The Clean Love Project's mission is to help women and young girls feel clean, loved, and empowered by distributing clean love kits to alleviate their hygiene needs. Go to thecleanloveproject.org to find out how you can help. The Clean Love Project focuses on the Metro Detroit area, but it also distributes kits worldwide. If you are a female in need of a clean love kit, go to thecleanloveproject.org and request one today. Joy Road Media is a proud supporter of The Clean Love Project at thecleanloveproject.org. From the ragged heart of the Rust Belt, this is Great Lakes Confidential with your hosts, Angie and Marty. This is um, Great Lakes Confidential. I forgot what I was talking about for a minute. I forgot, what, I forgot my podcast name. It's part two. It's been a long <laughs> it week. It is. It is. So this is um, part two of the Northville um, Psychiatric Hospital or Northville State Hospital um, that we talked about last week. Um, I am here with... Oh, I'm Angie. I don't know if I said that. It's been a really long day. <laughs> so um, yeah. So whoever's listening, uh, bear with me. Um I'm Angie, and I'm here with Marty, as per usual. Hi. And um, like I said last week, we have a, a super special guest with us today, our, our friend Jermaine. Hi, Jermaine. Hello, everybody. Hi. Yay. How's it going? Uh, it's just fine. Yeah? Are you excited to be here? <laughs> I am, actually. This is, um, <laughs> so this is Jermaine's first podcast, so Ooh. we're going to, we're going to. Introvert stuff yeah. out. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be oh, gentle. you're in the right place. Yeah. <laughs> we will be gentle. Um, so last week, um, we talked a lot about, well, that's the only thing we talked about. We talked about Northville, um, psychiatric hospital, um, which, um, has been closed since 2003. Um, and as I said, at the end of the show, um, Jermaine was going to pop by so that she could tell us her firsthand experience, um, experiences, I should say, because, um, you had two brothers that were patients there. And then you also, um, when you got older, you were an intern yes. at the hospital. Um, so, um, I like I'm obsessed with that because there's that's completely different um, viewpoints. Um, yes. So I'm really interested in and in getting um, getting some more insight into what Northville was was like, especially because um, you know last week we talked about how there were. Um, newspaper articles and like letters to the editor people had written in saying you know these people these patients are wandering around and they're dangerous and then there's also um you know letters saying 
um, my sister, brother, wife, whomever is um, being neglected or abused in the hospital. But then I can't find any further information on any of that stuff. So um, to be able to get your insight into it is going to be um, it's exciting to me. So, um, so if you're ready, we'll just kind of jump right in and, and start with some questions and get some, um, get some more insight into it. Okay. All right. Um, should I throw out a, a quick overview? Yeah, my experience? Please yes. do. Okay. Yes. Um, so my first exposure to Northville was I'm, I'm the middle child of two, uh, what we now call developmentally disabled people. Um, and this was in the 1960s and back then, uh, you know, mental health was still really in its infancy. Like you said on part one, Northville was like the state of the art. It was like, mm -hmm. let's put art on the walls and, you know, have pastel colors and music and things. Um, so it was still very new, but it was still uh, not far removed from basically anything that wasn't normal was mental illness mm -hmm. and yeah. you got put in the dungeon basically. Yeah. You know, and Northville was a change from that but it would seem really archaic to us now. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so I was the middle child in the 1960s of two developmentally disabled brothers, and the doctor who delivered my brothers basically told my parents, they'll never contribute to society, put them away and forget about them. Mm -hmm. wow. That was the prevailing wisdom, medical wisdom of the mm -hmm. day. Right. Um, and then later, when Northville, you know, alluding to what you said with the letters to the editor and stuff and the abuse um, allegations and such. So they ordered the state hospital closed down. And that, <clears throat> excuse me, was when they started the group home movement, mainstreaming mentally ill people and such into neighborhoods. Um, and I worked in one of the first group homes um, to open in Livonia. And we were gonna, so we had to go intern at Northville and basically shadow the people who were going to move into our group home and learn all about them. Mm -hmm. um, so that was quite the experience. Yeah. Um, and uh, before the group home opened, uh, the state had to notify all the neighbors via mail, you know, and they had to have public meetings where they could express their concerns and such. And the neighbors burnt the group home down <gasps> two times in a row. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh my God. Before it opened. So oh, crazy. Yep. So were people mm -hmm. charged with, I mean, that's arson. Were people charged with crimes uh, for this? Or? I don't think it, they ever pinned it on anybody. Oh, my God. Yeah. So um, so you're the middle child of two brothers that were patients there. Yes. How old were you at the time that they were admitted? Uh, we were all single digits, so they were very young. I was going to say, you, because, I mean even the 60s it's not terribly long ago so you're not you're not you know 70 80 years old like no. we're, <laughs> we're you know we're like you're 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 still a fairly young woman um which means well, that you. you would have been very young at yes. that point yeah oh my god yeah so it was pretty much if if your child wasn't you know quote unquote normal enough to go to regular school there weren't a lot of options for where, you know, and where you could put them. You, either you kept them home and figured it out or you took the advice of the medical pros right. and put them away. It's so crazy to me, too, because you think about like I have three boys and um, when my middle son was like three, four years old, 
um, he had a doctor that was like, well, he's got ADHD. And I'm like, he's a baby still. Like, how do you know, you know, at this young age, like he's, he's still a baby to me. Mm-hmm. And so to, to think that, you know, these young children were put into a state hospital with adults, um, you know, at, at, at an age where, you know, these are people that are, some of them don't even know how to use the bathroom yet. You know, they're not right. potty trained. They're not, they're not able to speak in complete sentences. And you're like, right. oh, well, they're crazy. Let's lock them up. Yeah. And, and, you know, for any listeners, I, I don't use the term crazy as being a derogatory term, derogatory term at all. Um, but I mean, you know, in the sixties, that's, you know, it was kind of either you were normal or you were crazy. Right. Mm-hmm. So, oh my God. So were there, so, you, so your brothers were quite young. So were there a lot of young patients there? Um, I would say an awful lot. You know, I came from it with a kid's perspective. Yeah. Um, and my brothers, they lived there for a few years. Um, but my parents would take them home on the weekends. So that's, you know, I would drive out there with them um, and they would pick them up. And we'd drive back on Sunday night and drop them back off. That that was really crushing. My mom would cry all the way home. I can imagine. Oh my God. Yeah. I just. But yeah, it was it was filled with children and a lot, you know, adults, children, a lot of people that were nonverbal. Um, you know, and like any helping profession, you know, it attracts the best of humanity and the worst of mm-hmm. humanity. Any job that serves um vulnerable people attracts predators yeah yeah so i've um i've worked in um homes for developmentally disabled i've taken care of um the elderly i've i've i specialized for a long time in um, alzheimer's and dementia patients um most recently and i use that term loosely because it's been what four I'm going on five years since I was a manager of the home care company. Yeah. Um, so most recently, I specialized in uh, TBI, traumatic brain injury, and spinal cord injury. So um, I've never really taken care of children that were, you know, young people. Like I've had some teenage patients, but I mm-hmm. never had any very young, young patients. And I just can't imagine um, having them in the general population with older, I mean, we're talking like, you know, like we said last week, like some of these patients were violent offenders. Some of these patients were people that were, you know, they were not just verbally abusive, they were physically abusive towards staff members and towards, I mean, we talked about a, a, you know, a patient being murdered at, at the hospital by Mm -hmm. other patients. Like, like knowing that there were children there is um it's heartbreaking um and it's just like i mean i'm glad we've come this far but jesus yeah we've definitely come a long way in our outlook towards that yeah were the the children at least at a separate wing or a separate area as far as i could tell you know through my child mind they were you know Mm -hmm. it was all kids when i my brothers were kids I definitely remember those uh, those doors clanging shut to that hallway, and oh it just seemed God. like they were the biggest, heaviest, scariest doors they in were. the world. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Oh, my God. So your brothers, um, I can't recall their diagnosis. 
their diagnoses? Um, well, they they kept changing like every six months to a year because uh, psychology and psychiatry was in flux very much in the 60s. Um, they had the brand new diagnosis of autism was a brand new word for, mm-hmm. you know, what they were trying to figure out what was wrong with my brothers. Um, there were countless times that I would say to my classmates, you know, they'd say, what's wrong with your brothers? They're autistic. Artistic? What do they like to draw? Oh, no. It's <laughs> like, no, not artistic. Right, right. Autistic. So, you know, they were diagnosed with autism. Uh, my younger brother was, is severe, the profoundly mentally retarded as well. He's never been verbal. Um, he kind of, you know, twiddles his fingers together and rocks back and forth. Mm-hmm. And he's been that way, you know, his whole life. Uh, my older brother was, you know, more on the on the uh, cusp of being classified mentally retarded at the time. They called him bipolar. They said he was schizophrenic for a while. Then they called him, you know, autism, and then Asperger's. It was it was also kind of the age of, you know, they were trying to leave behind the whole, you know, bedlam asylum style, mm-hmm. um, and everything was a chemical cocktail now. Yeah. You know, in, at least in the '60s, and now too. But yeah. right, right. I think what's I think what's so troubling to me is that um, being a former healthcare worker who has worked with different populations of patients, there there's a lot of um, very specialized treatment uh, or not treatment specialized. Um, oh Jesus. My words are gone. Um, when you have to learn so- training, a lot of specialized. <laughs> wow, um, there's a lot of specialized training. You know, like you're not going to, you're not going to treat your Alzheimer's and dementia patients the same way that you're going to necessarily treat your autistic patients because they, it's a very different set of quote unquote issues or mm-hmm. you know and. And that's why a lot of times they're separate. You know, that's why we have nursing homes that are, you know, that specialize in Alzheimer's and dementia, or you have memory care units, or, you know, you have homes for children because you don't put those children in with older people. Mm -hmm. And, and to, to think that there was just 22 buildings on this property where everybody was just kind of thrown in, you know, and like it really makes me question the amount of training that was done. You know, like, do you have the qualifications to take care of a child that is autistic as well as taking care of an adult that has bipolar disorder? Because Mm -hmm. those are very different things. And so you've got one person that's expected to just kind of bounce around because that's, that's, it's the melting pot of mental and developmentally you know, I'm disabled sure it's even people. worse today. But yes and no, because we because you get that specialized training mm-hmm. because we've learned so much in the last 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years. Whereas back then it was like, you're just going to put them all in these between these four walls because that's the space that we have. And we're going to hope for the best. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like, like even you going in as an intern to to train to take those some of those patients into group homes like do you understand what i mean like there's got to be some sort of there like there should have been some sort of a distinction between the different 
issues that these right. patients had instead of just being like this one person is going to just take care of everything because you cannot do that that's when that's how you lose things that's how patients get neglected that's how things don't happen the way that they're supposed to happen because you don't have that specialized training right so that's it's 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 really it's it's bothersome to right. me and to think, know that that's how it was. I think what's bothersome to me is, is that it seems like it's probably still that way in a lot of ways, not because the specialized training, you know, isn't available, but just because of budgets. Right. The way people, uh, you know, everyone wants to save a dime. Yeah. So yeah. So they just hire one person to take care of however many. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, so. So I, I was wondering if, if the hospital was primarily inpatient or if there was some outpatient um, treatments being used as well. But I, I, I mean, if your brothers were able to leave the facility on, um, on the weekends, I guess it's kind of a mixture. Um, but were there, um, were there patients that would like just pop in for like therapy sessions that you know of or... Was it everybody that was there just kind of lived there, and that's the way that it was? Um, well, again, I'm, I'm going through my child's memory, so my impression at the time was, you know, I had a strange awareness of it also being the place where, you know, if people threatened suicide or something mm-hmm. and they wanted to cool them off for 24 mm-hmm. hours, you know, the ambulance oh, okay. shows up and hauls you off to Northville for the night. Okay. Um, so I think there there was a lot of emergency containment kind of placement Okay. there. But it was definitely a huge campus yeah. know, where people lived. Yeah. Um, yeah, I understand that there was also um, employee housing there, too. So, um, which, with, with that, you really kind of get the impression that um, it's like... Hotel California, you, you don't ever... <laughs> you yeah. can check in anytime yeah. you want, but you can never leave. <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, you know, you talk about having um, employee housing on campus, like, it seems like it was a pretty serious, you know, you, yeah. you, needed, the, you needed the people there. Um, so when your brothers... How long were your brothers there for, do you remember? I think from three to five years. Okay. Wow. Yeah. The, my higher functioning brother got out of there first. Um, cause they were, you know, my parents spent a lot of time, a lot of years trying to find the right doctor and the right treatment mm-hmm. and it was ever changing all the time. Were, um, God, that's so young to be in a place like that for three to five years. I am just, I'm yeah. Just you know, the wisdom away. of the day was, uh, you know, out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. Yeah. So what sort of, um, again, you know, if you can recall, what sort of treatment did your brothers, you know, were they well, did you get the impression that they were well cared for? Was there, you know, ever any talk with your mom behind closed doors where she was <laughs> like, uh, you know? Um, well, did not really have the impression they were well cared for. You know, they when we'd pick them up on the weekends, a lot of times they'd have cuts, scratches, bruises. I remember my mom talking about, uh, you know, how she had to label everything like 10, 20 times with their names because their stuff got stolen all Mm -hmm. the time. So, you know, I don't think what was going on there was very good. I know that, uh, you know, they were trying all different kinds of psychotropic medication to see, you know, how it affected my brothers. And a lot of those drugs were new Mm -hmm. at the time, you know, 
that that was the testing and the research yeah. to give it to people in a mental hospital. Yeah, you know, God, I even remember one time. Uh, it's a drug teen confession, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I was a teenager in Metro Detroit growing up in the '60s and '70s, and I'm like, hmm, what are? Well, I'm gonna try one of these things they're giving my brothers. So I took a tab of Haldol, mm. and oh my God, I'll, I never did that again. <laughs> but it, oh, it was terrible. It made the the muscles in my mouth, my lips turned inside out, and I just kept drooling mm. and oh drooling boy. and drooling for hours and hours and hours. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, those drugs are good for sedation, mm-hmm. um, and you know if you can. Um, if you can restrict your patient from doing anything, including swallowing their own spit, they're not gonna they're not gonna hurt anybody. Right. They're, they're not gonna hurt themselves. You know, they're they're gonna be right. sedated. Um, they're oh god. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if if my brothers were subjected to this, but I know there was definitely electric shock therapy going on there mm. and lobotomies mm. being performed oh my god. there. You know, it was still considered a treatment i mean they still still do electric shock today yeah in select cases yeah and oh my god and the thing is like it's oh my god it's just like i'm i'm having like flashbacks to because i was quite young even when i the first time i worked in a um in a group home and we had probably there was probably like 10 patients that lived in the group home they were all developmentally disabled um most of them were not verbal um we had i think one patient was blind and deaf um one patient was blind um and i just like oh god i'm just having like all these crazy memories of the things that they would do and the you know the the pink pills and the blue pills and the you know there was so many so many pills so many freaking pills um i and that's that's also why i'm just i'm glad that um there's been medical advancements since then because um autistic children don't belong in places where there are you know blind women in their 50s that smear their feces on the walls you know what i mean like that's not it's like first of all it's um it's not conducive to getting treatment like Mm -hmm. treatment is supposed to help you treatment it's not going to cure you but it's supposed to be helpful and things like that aren't helpful for small children to see whether they understand it or not you know it's not it's ugh. right at that point it's just warehousing yeah containment it is yeah yeah and what's interesting to me is that um you know like i said last week i spent a lot of time on the couch researching northville i mean and marty will tell you like i would be like i am at a dead end here like i've got this story but there's no more information you know like like the the patient that was murdered by the other um patients there there's like three or four articles and then nothing there's i i googled the 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 names of the victim i found out where he's buried mm-hmm. but there's nothing more about him i googled the the names of the the patients that murdered him there's nothing like it was like they no longer exist at all 
the the videos that um that i watched on northville listening to former employees that were there or you know patients family members nobody ever said anything bad about the place ever Mm -hmm. it's almost like everybody was like listen nobody's gonna talk (laughs) poorly about this because it makes our state look like crap Mm -hmm. right like nobody's gonna and it's like that's really troubling to me and now you're like, uh, no, that place had some issues. And it's like, why is not why is nobody talking about this? Why was why was this not like a bigger news story? You know what I mean? Because I feel like I feel like if more people were talking about what was going on there in the sixties and seventies and then what led up to being shut down, you know, losing the accreditation in the eighties, being shut down in two thousand three, like some like I said, something happened in this place what was it and what can we learn from it moving forward so that it's not continuing to happen? Because these things are still happening. There's still patients in, in hospitals and in group homes and in nursing homes and in facilities that are still being treated like this. They're still, like you said, you have people, you have a, a community of people that are underserved and predators flock to these people. Yes. They smell the blood in the water and like, I feel like there's so much that could be learned from whatever the hell happened at Northville Psychiatric that we should be discussing in more detail to find out so that we can move forward and, and stop it from happening. Yeah, I think it just falls into that file, the long file of crimes against invisible people, though. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. I and mean, probably the age of social media now and, you know, and Me Too and things where people... You know, what is it, 2021, and we're only just now going, hey, if people don't consent to sex, you don't get to touch them. Right, mm-hmm. right. Know, that should just be a, a human basic. Yeah. yeah, it's like, why is that and, even? And we still have people who will argue that point right. now, <laughs> you know. but Those people are idiots. But now people are talking, you know, and there's, you know, video cameras and yeah. microphones everywhere. You know, it was just kind of still the age of, you know, it's shameful and you don't discuss it and yeah. we'll, we'll all have a, a silent agreement that it never happened oh, mm-hmm. it's so horrible so you're so where are your brothers now if you if you want to oh sure um so my brothers are dave and steve dave is the older one and we were born you know three years in a row boom 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 my mom had us back to back um so my younger brother, Steve, he's autistic and severe to profoundly retarded. He lives at a, um, a courtyard manor in Wixom. It's, it's a psychiatric hospital. Mm-hmm. He's going to be there for the rest of his life. Um, and my brother, David, when he got out of Northville, um, for a while he went to mainstream public schools right along with me. Um, I got beat up a lot by the football players who called me the retard sister. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And he, you know, he graduated on time, but like a D-plus student. Mm -hmm. He had a, he was able to pass and get his driver's license. Um, He worked at, you know, fast food companies throughout his life, lived in different uh, group homes. Um, And as a somewhat aside, I'll try not to make it too long. So my mom, you know, growing up in the 60s with this, with the mental illness in the family, there was also this book by a psychiatrist named Bruno Bettelheim, and he said uh, autism was the cause of refrigerator mothers. 
mothers who were too cold to their children and mm. caused their mental illness. Oh my God. So basically a heap ton of blame was put on my mom and she oh. fe felt so much guilt and shame, you know, cause society was just like, well, what did you do oh, to make Jesus. them like yeah. this? Christ. So she had always presented to me, you know, I was just growing up like, you know, a teenager rebellious I want to move out and be on my own and and she always presented to me that my brother was uh, if he had an apartment or whatnot that you know he was supporting himself he's normal you know he's successful he's mainstreaming um, and it's your other brother that's the truly disabled one and I didn't find out that was all a lie until the day of my mom's funeral oh my god when uh, his landlord came up to me and said you know, your brother's rent is due and your mom pays it every month for the last X years. And I was like, what? Oh, my God. And then that just sent me on a, a couple years of fixing a lot of mistakes. Yeah. So, a lot of crazy. You know, my mom had a she had been keeping the checkbook in secret code. So my dad wouldn't know because she told she played it off to my dad like that, too. Oh, wow. You know, and uh, and my brother like part of his manifestation of autism, he's way into number patterns. And when you get those checks in the mail, but you sign them and you're really taken out a loan. Mm -hmm. So he signed every single one of them. Um, and then, you know, it didn't matter how much money he borrowed unknowingly. He, he would always pay like $3.33 on the third of the month or $9.99 oh, wow. on the ninth of the month. You know, he just was compelled to, you know, yeah. it tickled yeah. him. It was like, oh, look. You know, look at my numbers. That, oh my that's, gosh. He didn't even have any concept of money. You know, he mm -hmm. just was like, it's all threes. It's all nines. Right. It's great. <laughs> oh, Jesus. But, uh, yeah, so I, and then, and he had also accidentally got kicked off a of social security disability, and my mom didn't know how to deal with the bureaucracy. Oh, no. So she just kept that under the rug, too. So I was just like, oh, my God. So you mean my brother's in... You know, tens of thousands of dollars in debt. Oh <laughs> Mom's keeping a secret checkbook. Oh, and, my God. you know, what? Yeah. You know, what's going to happen? And he doesn't get SSD. So it took me a... Uh, here's something I learned about the Social Security <laughs> Administration. Oh, man. So to get... I had to appeal to, you know, get him back, win him back his Social Security disability Social Security has their own law system and their own mm -hmm. court system. Yeah. And it took two and a half years <gasps> to get him before a judge to rule if uh, if he should if he was disabled or not and entitled to benefits. Oh, my God. So I'm just so thankful that uh, my dad was able to keep paying his rent and I was able to, you know, advocate for him and get him hooked up with different programs mm -hmm. based on where he really was at and not what my mom wanted to front right to people um but imagine all those people who have nobody to advocate yeah. for yeah. them you know yeah. they're just lost between the cracks and i'll never forget uh walking into that administration hearing at social security because it was a lady judge and uh, like a lady i don't know if it's a bailiff or something but all, all they had to do was take one look at him and you can tell by the way he right. looks mm -hmm. you know he looks like he's mentally ill um you know and they, they had to turn away i think they were they were getting all choked oh up, my God. you know, but we had to go through the motion and, mm -hmm. you know, show here's all the psych evals and yada, da, 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 da. But they did, you know, award it back to him and he got back pay for all the years oh, that he good. was off. Oh, 
So yeah. So then I used that to uh, help him buy a condo um, in the same place where he was renting from, so he could have some kind of permanent housing. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was still figuring out. You know, my dad was just starting to decline with Alzheimer's, mm. and I, you know, and I'm like suddenly became the guardian for both my brothers and I'm trying to fix all these you know put all these fires out so and he also had this wonderful boss where he worked at a Kentucky Fried Chicken as basically like a janitor Um, and the boss was someone who had worked with him in a previous fast food place where people picked on him and so when this guy moved on and bought his own franchises he remembered my brother and said why don't you come work for me and I'll oh, wow. keep you oh, under good. my wing. Yeah, he was his real guardian angel. And he would call him up every day. My brother would call him and go, you know, I'm not up for working or I can only work an hour or or whatever. Uh-huh. And, and the guy just made it happen for him. Oh, you know, wow. it was such a blessing. Um, so he did that until he got cancer and then he couldn't drive anymore. Um, he got bone marrow cancer and then... And I, I just was ran out of my ability to figure out how to get help for him. Right. So I luckily happened on an attorney who was specialized in guardianships and for special needs placements. And he hooked me up with this wonderful retired gerontologist who is also a guardian for hard to place people now. Mm. So she took over his guardianship. Um, and he ended up moving into Courtyard Manor as well where our brother is um and then he got covid and died <gasps> yeah so while I'm he was so getting sorry. those cancer treatments oh my god jermaine yeah yeah last, last may may of 2020 i am so sorry yeah so that sucked but uh you know he was responding well to his chemo but he probably only had you know a few years left to live oh, jesus yeah, but he he was um, so good-natured. You know, he had this, uh, he was obsessed with Dick Clark's American Bandstand. Yeah. <laughs> and New Year's Rockin' Eve with Dick Clark. Me too. And he was obsessed with the Detroit Thanksgiving Day Parade. Aww. And uh, he used to write to then-Mayor Coleman Young. Uh, he would write him like 50 letters a day. Put me in the parade. How do I get in the parade? <laughs> oh. I really want to be in this parade. Hey, do you think you can hook me up with a spot in this parade? Oh. And then one day after he did that for like a year, these this <laughs> limo pulls up <gasps> outside my parents' house and the knock on the door and these two large men come and they're like, we're with Coleman Young's office. Here's your clown outfit. Shut up. <laughs> You're in the parade. Oh yeah. Stop writing us yes. letters. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, Coleman Young gets such a bad rap sometimes. Yay. Yep. Oh, so he that. did that, you know, for many years until he got really too sick to do it. Oh. But, so um, he, he was in the parade every year for Yeah, a long for time? like 25 years. Oh, wow. My God. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Oh, he looked it. forward to it all year long. I bet. That's, yep. a, that's yeah. a life well lived. Oh. Yeah. Point, really. Perseverance pays off. Yeah. Oh, my God. You know, and I know that he got, you know, fucked with a lot in his life for his disability, you know, and got beat up and got robbed and got taken advantage of or you know the thing with the monies too you know Mm. people would pretend to be his friend and you know oh sign this loan thing for me and you know but uh, he just always was just such a love you know just a sweetie till the end oh i love that yeah Mm. 
Oh, God. So my other brother, Steve, he's way, way, way more disabled. And, you know, he continues to live in the psychiatric hospital. Um, but he's never talked. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So so did did David um did David remember being at Northville at all? Is it something that he ever talked about? Um very little. I'm sure he remembered, you know, he had a you know, a photographic memory, you know, just out of the blue, he would, you know, throw, you know, I remember on May 5th, 1967, that blah, 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 blah. Oh, wow. <laughs> or whatever, you know, yeah. he'd throw things like that out there. Um, you know, I don't, you know, his perspective on living there, it, it didn't make a lot of sense mm-hmm. to me. You know, I know he sure. had doctors that he liked and doctors that he didn't like and you know, I'd try to say, well, why didn't you like him? You know, ah, his hair was the wrong color brown yep. <laughs> or something. It'd be like, mm, okay. Uh, I remember when I was trying to help him win back his social security disability. And so I went to a, a psych psychiatric evaluation with him to sit there so I could observe and see what the guy was asking him. And so the guy asks him, uh, you know, do you have a lot of friends? And he's like, yes. And he's like, well, how many? And he's like, one. And then <laughs> and he's like, oh, well, who's your one friend? My sister, Jermaine. Aww. And then he's like, uh, well, what do you do for fun? Uh, oh, I play board games. Who do you play them with? Uh, Jermaine. Um, what kind do you play? Monopoly. When's, and then I'm like, ask him when's the last time he played Monopoly. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, when's this the last time you played Monopoly? 25 years ago oh you know <laughs> yeah but yeah. uh yeah it's like it doesn't matter to him if it was sure. right now yesterday or 25 years ago yeah but uh it just kind of really opened my eyes too to how you got to probe you know to yep. find out where mm-hmm. people are are at and where they're coming from and yeah. and kind of get a feel for how do they see it and how are they feeding it to you right you know how to wade through it you know you can't just be like Yep, checks boxes, plays board games with all his friends. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Because not disabled. <laughs> right, right. Because there's not, yeah, because the the way, and only from, you know, ex- my experience, you know, working with patients that are developmentally disabled, but their their brains don't work at all the same way that ours work. Nope. And it's um, sometimes difficult to, to get to the, to the bottom of what you're trying to talk about because they're just kind of um just kind of all over the place um so you so you were an intern at northville um during the time that they were transitioning patients into group homes um which was when 70s um it was the 80s the later half of the 80s okay okay so at this point you were an adult then yes okay um so how long were you at northville as an intern for um i interned there you know two to four weeks not that long um you know and we were assigned our you know six people that were going to move into our group home um i i will say that the people like at the time the jobs were union jobs there and i'm a total union supporter but the flip side is they were pissed that the yeah. hospital was getting oh, yeah. shut down. Mm-hmm. Very pissed. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and, and they let you know it. And they were very angry about the whole, 
you know, group home thing happening where we were going to be paid, you know, our 750 an hour right. and we weren't in unions, right. you know, and they and they were losing their their jobs. Um so they did not make it. They were not helpful. They did not make it easy, and some of them were outright hostile and basically said right to our faces, it's your job now. We're, we're not doing that anymore, even though they were still on the job. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And I remember people, uh, you know, in straight jackets in the hallways, just sitting in puddles of their own urine. Oh, my God. You know, and just and howling, so much howling. The howling will haunt me forever. I can imagine. Yeah. yeah. So um, so then how long did you work in group homes and stuff for? Um, I did that probably for about five years. I think it's really common for people with, uh, you know, developmentally disabled people in their families or whatever kind of mental illness, or, or perhaps I just fancy it common, um, <laughs> that uh, those people go into, you know, mental health jobs to try to figure out, yeah. you know, their mm-hmm. family's shit. Basically, well, we also yeah. see the humanity in the patients, which yes, a lot of people might not exactly getting um, back to those predators. That yeah, it, it, I had worked at two different group homes. One I worked at in Livonia that that got burnt down twice, and then uh, which was all with people from Northville. And then I worked at one in Pleasant Ridge, Michigan, which those neighbors also burnt down. I swear I had nothing really? to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> it was just kind of the. The way the neighbors let you know they didn't want it to happen. People mm. were really resistant. The NIMBYs. Getting back to the NIMBYs. Yes, uh-huh. the NIMBYs. Um, but uh, so where, what was I saying about that? Oh, so I had those two group home experiences for about five years. And it wasn't until I kind of um, became a mom and then it was too emotionally overwhelming. Yeah. You yeah. know, it just kind of hit home a whole new way. Yeah. And I was like... Yeah, I want some uh, boring data office job now. I can't, mm-hmm. you know, handle this. Yeah. Um, I did write down the names of the people from Northville that I worked with at the first group home, just their first names. I'm sure probably Pippa. most of them are passed away now. Yeah. But there was Mark, Ivan, Roger, Todd, Ed, Stephen, Donna, and Gertie. Aww. Yeah. I took care of a Gertie. She was my... Um, my very first ever um, official Alzheimer's um, patient, and it was a um, a family friend type situation, and they hired me to do live-in care, and I was like 16, 17 years old, and that was my first ever um, experience. And um, yep, her name was Gertrude, and we called her Gertie, um, and she was something else. Um, <laughs> Probably she, not the same Gertie. No, Probably not. no, definitely not. <laughs> um, she, uh, God, I remember one time she wanted, she wanted so badly to wash the dishes in the sink, but I knew that this, there was full of silverware, which had sharp knives. So I just thought I'm just going to get these sharp knives out of this sink before, you know, cause I don't want her to cut herself because she's like a hundred years old and mm-hmm. she's completely senile at this point. Um, and so I went to reach into the sink to get the knives out and she got very angry with me she pulled up her shirt my sister was with me at the time she pulled up her shirt like up by her head pointed at her stomach and went do you want some of this and I was like (laughs) no (laughs) ma'am but I I loved her I mean she was um god she was a handful she got out of the house once and I, I could talk about Gertie for days but um it'll be another episode yeah but she was she was my first 
experience with working with, you know, patients that, um, that didn't have their minds all there. And I fell in love with her. And then I continued to work in healthcare for like 20 years. Yeah. Um, but it is the hardest job. It's, it's really hard emotionally. It is. And physically. It is. And it, financially. It, yeah. 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 And yeah. it doesn't pay very well. You no, know, really the people that do that job are saints. Anyone who's, you know, willing to provide comfort and aid to yeah. the least among us is a saint in my mind. Yeah. The the people that I worked with at the first group home who I had interned with while transitioning them out of Northville, it really struck me how uh you know, on top of their addition, you know, their original issues, now they had the trauma of having lived in Northville, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. all their lives, yeah. basically. So there was a lot to deal with. One of the people, um, Mark, we discovered, you know, n- n- way when it was way too late that his only mental illness was being deaf. But, oh, my God. And this it was pretty common, you know, still in the early 60s sure. to that, you know, if your kid didn't respond and start talking and stuff, you know, it didn't occur to people to check their hearing, strangely enough. And so they just, you know, nope, something's wrong with his brain. And, uh, yeah, that case was really, really tragic because he was just seething with anger. And he had family that came to visit him regularly. But I remember anything they gave him, any gifts, you know, they would drop him out, take him out, bring, drop him back at the group home. And any gifts they gave him, he just like shredded up and scratched up. Oh my God. And he was nonverbal, you know, because he couldn't hear. But uh, yeah, just a lot of anger. Yeah. So, yeah, like you said, that, that, then that brings on a whole new, whole new set of problems. Yeah. Yeah. Because now you've been traumatized by being around people that, you know, are violent. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Right. Or, you know, touching you constantly. Mm There's, there's not a lot of boundaries. Right. Yeah. in a psych hospital. Right, right. Oh my gosh. So, um, so to wrap it up, the last thing that I really, um, cause I could talk about this all, like literally <laughs> all day, both. like all day long. Um, it's, it's, it's very interesting and, um, like it's, it's almost therapeutic to just kind of, you know, be able to get some of that stuff out. Um, so going back to Northville um, Hospital and the area there and back to part one from last week, um, we did talk a little bit about the tunnels underneath the, the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there had been rumors about some, you know, Satan worshiping and witchcraft and, um, you know, just all kinds of terrible things happening down here. Um, when you were an intern there, um, cause I imagine you probably never heard anything about it as a small, small, small child, but as an intern, did the other employees there ever talk about them? Were you guys ever told anything? Was it like, stay out of the tunnels? Was it like, go on down there? Like, what was the, do you remember, was there anything? Well, they didn't show us the tunnels. There was just my understanding that there were tunnels so they could, you know, move patients between buildings and inclement weather mm-hmm. and whatnot. Mm. Um, you know, we did get a tours of the place, but not of the tunnels. Um, you know, there's a crematorium there. Yeah. There was. Oh, wow. And there was a graveyard with yep. unmarked stones, which, yeah. you know, there was just like little rocks to show that somebody was there. But no, no names, no nothing. That's but, that's yeah, crazy to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so it was just so sad. Like, like. These patients didn't have 
dignity, their own, their dignity as they were alive. And then they, they died. However, they died. And then murdered possibly even. And then, yeah. Like you wonder how many, yeah. You wonder how many died of neglect um, also. And then instead of giving back that dignity with a friggin' headstone, it was just like, meh. Jesus, mm-hmm. that's horrible. Yeah, very sad. Wow. Wow. I, yeah, I'm going to have to find all the books on Northville now, and I'm just going to obsess over it because it's <laughs> so, I'm just so, I'm blown away by the fact that there's not more people talking about whatever was going on there. Well, you're starting the conversation, baby. I know, I know. Um, so... Um, like I said, we're going to wrap it up here. Um, any, any final thoughts, Jermaine, anything? Hmm. Wish I would have thought of that in advance. Um, (laughs) You got any gigs you want to promote? Um, yeah. Drink your water, get your rest, take care of your mental health people. Uh, don't be ashamed to address it. Uh, and don't be ashamed to talk to more than one person or one professional till you get the right fit for you. Yeah. And uh, see, you know, grow your support network and talk to your people. Yes. And don't don't be stigmatized. Yes. I, I like All it. advice. Yeah. Any final thoughts, Marty? No, nope, I just want to say I'm glad both of you are a part of my support network. And thank you. Thank you for stopping by, Jermaine. Always good to see yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. And um, wow. Yeah. So, um, you know, Great Lakes Confidential is uh, part history, part folklore. Part travel. We didn't get much travel today. No, well, we went to um, Northville. It's but don't don't <laughs> actually please don't actually travel out there. I know I said it on part one, but please do not travel out there. Yeah, it's torn um, down anyway now. Yeah, but uh, but yeah. So there's the history part. Um, so um, yeah, if there's anybody listening that has any um, firsthand accounts, um, uh, you know, firsthand experiences with Northville, please feel free to. Uh, um, email uh great lakes confidential at gmail.com or um hit us up on facebook um because i'd love to hear your stories and um maybe i'll share one or two you know if i if if anybody is uh interested but um other than that i guess we'll just um it's time to head out yeah time to head out so uh watch for deer all right text me when you get home Bye. Bye. bye Thank you for listening to Great Lakes Confidential with your hosts, Angie and Marty. If you enjoyed this episode, tell your friends and be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. For more information on today's topic, check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash Great Lakes Confidential.